so I'm Lita. I'm Jackie. And this is Why Haven't You Watched That? Today we are doing Blade Runner, and this is our first episode with a guest, uh, Matt Delhauer. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Very funny. I know. Uh, Ma- Matt is a comedian, as you might have guessed. Uh, he's also a writer and a voice actor, and we we're both writers for the sketch group Sketchprov. Uh, That's how she met me. Yeah. It's <laughs> how we met. Uh, so, Blade Runner, uh, you said it's uh, one of your favorite films, right? I... Basically, it, it swaps out every once in a while as being my favorite film of all time. Uh, when did you first see it? Uh, first time I saw it, I was young. Probably like maybe around 10, maybe a little younger. Uh, I have an older brother who's eight years older than me. So uh, a lot of the things that I've seen are because of him, uh, such as seeing Hellraiser when I was six. <laughs> uh, and that explains everything about me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, Lita, so you said you had seen, like, a few scenes from Blade Runner before you finally watched it this time? Yeah, it's actually one of my dad's favorite movies, so he's got the whole box set. It's got all the special features and the different cuts of everything. Uh, And, yeah, I tried to watch it with them, and I was, like, in that time period where I was like, I'm bored of everything. I don't want to watch this, so... (laughs) Yeah, I first watched this, um, I think it was the year after film school. And I remember not being all that into it. <laughs> and then, because yeah. I, I, I think I, uh, I think the first version I saw was the theatrical version. And we'll get into that later, <laughs> uh, the differences between the two versions. Um, and then I watched it again, and I was able to, like, appreciate it more later on. And watching it again this time, it was kind of like a mix between the two, <laughs> I <Yeah>. would say. <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember I remember when the first time I saw it, I think the reason that I saw it was because my brother was going to watch it. And I was like, oh, what's this? And he goes, oh, it's it's got Han Solo in it. <laughs> I was like, really? Which and is I, a sell. Was, yeah, so immediately I'm in. And so, because I'd seen it at that age, and, like, my mind only thought, like, oh, Harrison Ford, he's Han Solo, he's Indiana Jones, I remembered this movie being a lot more action-packed than yeah. it actually yeah. is. Yeah. It's and very it wasn't, quiet. Yeah, it wasn't until, like, 2007 when the final cut came out and I was just going into college that I actually remember sitting down and seeing it again and being like, wow, this movie's actually really slow. I don't know why I thought it was different than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is, there are, like, some action-y scenes where there is like some like violence but the moments are like few and far between and the those moments are kind of jarring and kind of like the shitty thing about it too is like all the violence seems to be directed at women who have been sexualized well (laughs) not actually a lot of the violence is directed at harrison ford i was well that too (laughs) that too as well yes yeah um it actually reminded me we were supposed to watch this movie in my film noir class in college uh, because it's kind of like a neo-noir and it reminded me watching it this time kind of of Chinatown because in that movie the um, Jack Nicholson is sort of like emasculated over and over again which is very um, not of the norm for noir heroes and I kind of felt like that was something similar happening here like Harrison Ford just is like really quiet and kind of groans a lot and gets punched a lot <laughs> yeah the, um the big thing of it is, is that uh, despite you know going against like the the structure of noir that they made with like the Humphrey Bogart era and everything like that, where it was you know the the chiseled kind of bad boy hero who you know would always get everything done and maybe he had like a dark side, but he always had a plan and knew what he was doing. This was definitely in the more uh, like hard boiled detective novel case that oh, things definitely. like Dashiell Hammett would do and stuff like that where it's basically your main character is a normal dude who kind of bumbles his way through a bunch of shit happening to him yeah. and winds up on top at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely very true. Like um it's kind of interesting too the way the way it uh kind of like subverts a few tropes while also kind of not mm, I don't, I can't read my own handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was writing, I was like scribbling all this madly in the dark. All right, so I don't remember where I was going with that. (laughs) I take notes on my phone for that reason, because my handwriting is god awful. Uh, I make too many typos. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so like, um, before you saw this movie, Lita, like, so you said your dad, it was one of his favorites. So was, 
did it live up to any expectations you had? Um, I don't know if I had necessarily expectations of it besides the fact where I was like, um, like Matt said, I was expecting it to be a little bit more action packed because it's Harrison Ford. And I know that it's one of Harrison Ford's like favorite movies that he's done. Um, and I also like the main scene that I remember was Daryl Hannah doing flips. So it's like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be some like femme fatale girl, like doing flips and like beating the shit out of him for half of the movie. And then that's like a scene and a half. Yeah. I love the the one the part where she just like casually yeah. cartwheels into the room. That was pretty. <laughs> um, and speaking of that, I was reading some trivia beforehand, and I guess like she's a gymnast in real life, or yeah. was, and she auditioned with you know, doing her flips and stuff. But then I guess the final filming, they ended up having a male uh, stunt person do really? that part. In a couple of scenes. Um, Initially, when they had first written the movie, they had written Pris to be basically just a prostitute as a robot. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was once Daryl Hannah had showed that she, like, had all of this gymnastic ability and everything was uh, Ridley Scott rewrote the entire part for her to be completely different in the fact that, yeah, she's a quote-unquote pleasure model, but she's got all, like, you know, the unbelievably athletic, like, the, the great athleticism and everything like that. Um, they wound up bringing in a male gymnast for the, uh, back handspring bit where she goes over and over and over and over again and then lands on him, Mm -hmm. uh, strictly because production wouldn't let her do it because it was just, like, insurance problems. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, like, God forbid she winds up getting hurt. Yeah. I feel like my favorite part of this movie, personally, is just the whole aesthetic of the movie and how the world building is done and the atmosphere just it all feels like it is like a real place and it's just so detailed and I feel like a lot of films don't put in the work to make their settings and like uh the world feel like it's its own separate uh sphere yeah. so that's probably my favorite aspect of this movie yeah very few filmmakers are willing to almost completely bankrupt a film just to build a set <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do what you gotta do, man. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I fully recommend, um, there is a a documentary out there. I think it might actually be in with the the Final Cut uh, box set that that Lita was talking about called Dangerous Days. And it's like a 30-minute documentary about the making of the movie and everything like that. And one of the big things they do talk about is how much money Ridley Scott just poured into making the sets of the streets and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was to the point where, like, producers were so, like, upset about it. They wanted to pull the plug on the film. They wanted to kick him off of the film. Like, the actors didn't like him. The crew didn't like him. Like, it, 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 for being what is considered one of the greatest films he's ever made, he made so many enemies making it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I read that too that like he he wanted to work with only a uh, British crew because he said that basically they're more submissive like they won't ask questions they'll just be like, "All right, okay. I'll go get that for you." So that really pissed them off. <laughs> yeah, it was the fact that they were filming in LA and he basically said he would refuse to use the LA like Teamsters. He mm-hmm. didn't want to use any of the, the the locals out there to to do like the film work and everything. And then he got, I think, half of a British crew brought in. And then the other half, he was told, like, you have to use people in Los Angeles. Like, that's the reason why we have, you know, the uh, unions. Yeah. yeah. And so it was it was, it was, was to a point where, like, everybody, like, they, they, the crew had shirts made up that were, like, I survived Blade Runner <laughs> and stuff like that. Um but I think one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes he has is uh, he was talking about the the aesthetic for the film and like the fact that it's always at nighttime and there's like steam and rain and everything like that. Yeah. And he he basically said, you know, the reason why I did all of these things was because it was that we didn't have money. He's <laughs> like, so if you don't want anyone to notice that your set is fake, you make it dark, you fill it with smoke, and you make it rain, and everything works out. Yeah. Yeah, just cover it up. Just cover it all up. No one will know the difference. And it worked. And it adds <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So much to the aesthetic. Like, um, I think too, like uh the juxtaposition between like uh the two parts of the city where like parts that are like really like high tech and like shiny and chromey and then the other parts of it that are like really like run down and decaying and just kind of like uh the duality of that was very interesting and pretty 
uh, telling about, like, what their vision of the future was, which is just this very, like, divided yeah, the, the, society in that uh, way. And that's why everyone's leaving Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I did which, notice, though, uh, one positive is that it's definitely raining a lot more in L.A. than in real life, so they've got that going for them. <laughs> yes. All we need is to have some sort of terrible economic and environmental disaster to cause it to always rain in California. <laughs> Fixed your drought. <laughs> Fix your drought. <laughs> Fix the fires going on right now too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that shit. Seeing that, it was like that's like a real image that's like really happy. Can you imagine driving to work? And just and everything's just being, on fire. It's literally the dog in the comic. <laughs> like, oh yeah. <laughs> nah, seeing seeing some of the pictures where it's like, it's like a guy on the roof of his house with a garden hose trying to hose down a palm tree that's on fire. Oh my god. And it's like maybe just leave. Just leave. Yeah. Palm I mean, tree's gone. It, it might also be an attempt to like stop it from spreading, possibly. <laughs> you know. I mean. <laughs> I feel like when the tree right by your house has exploded because the palm oil in it caught fire, you're not going to be able to fight this. Yeah, there's a reason why those things are, like, uh, a staple of Florida fires, even though I'm pretty sure they give off really horrible fumes and you're not supposed to breathe it in. But tons of people use palm fronds if we're actually, like, having a bonfire here. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, you guys in Florida just don't give a fuck, do you? No, honestly, it's like, if the alligators don't get us, then we'll be our own makers. (laughs) <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> we always end up talking about the natural disasters that are going on and yeah like, this this podcast is going to be discovered uh, one day and first people are going to be like wow why did they do this podcast and then they're going to be like wow it's like the end of days <laughs> oh, it's like they... Lita, Lita left a hurricane to go into the wildfires <laughs> in the pacific <laughs> northwest <laughs> <And> like <laughs> yeah Figured I'd rather fight off the fire than, you know, drown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just Get priorities, man. <laughs> yep. Well, I would say, honestly, um, talking about natural disasters, but also talking about uh, economic struggles and everything fits very well into this movie because that is one of the major aesthetics that comes from uh, the cyberpunk genre, mm-hmm. for uh, especially for Blade Runner, is the idea of drastic class divides. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's one of the things that they really wanted to play with with the film as well, was being able to see the major divide between the city streets that Deckard is on, where it's just people on top of people, you know, the, the it's considered a luxury to sit down at an outside restaurant in the rain and eat noodles, Yeah. Uh, versus the giant pyramid of the Tyrell Corporation, where everything apparently seems to be water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's everything. Um, I had something. I'm all over the place today. I apologize. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, one, another thing I thought was interesting that was uh, the kind of inf- the, how Japanese culture has like infused uh, American culture enough that like there's like Japanese ads playing and it was kind of like playing into like the whole thing where like, oh, Japan's going to take over everything. I, I actually saw a really interesting um I don't know if it's an article or a book, and of course I didn't have time to read it, but it's about like techno-orientalism, basically, where there is so often on sci-fi a lot of influences of Asian culture because a lot of our high-tech stuff that makes us, you know, look to the future is all from Japan and China, but a lot of the times in movies like this, the main characters are not Asian, and sometimes there's hardly any Asian people in the movie or show at all, like... Um, yeah. I know Firefly. There's like nobody Asian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're speaking Chinese when they swear. Yeah, you know? but it's an, yeah, it's a bunch of white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like when I first saw this, actually, I I, I guess I had missed the opening uh, card when I first saw, it, and I didn't realize it took place in Los Angeles, and I just assumed it took place somewhere in Asia. And I was like, why are there all these white people in yeah. Japan? Why is a white man the the a, like the police chief or whatever it is like i don't understand and then like eventually i realized it was supposed to be america and i was like oh okay yeah. <laughs> well i know I, I think one of the big things one of the big reasons that they they try and incorporate especially like japanese culture is um you know like lita was saying the idea that a lot of the high-tech um you know just technology and stuff that we we deal with today and expect to deal with in the future come from a lot of oriental well not really oriental um 
but Asian cultures. So I, I say Oriental because I'm reading a thing that's talking about Orientalist art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was saying how, like, um, you know, Japanese, Chinese, Korean companies are all major, you know, corporations at this point that are pushing technology further and further. So you expect to see them suddenly start having more of an influence on where they are because, you know, according to this movie, like, Los Angeles is basically like an epicenter of major corporations like Tyrell and whatever else. So you start to see them suddenly taking over where they are because that's where they have set up shop. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think that word is more so, like, directed toward um, addressing how white people have called Asians before and mm. that's they've used that in their um uh I'm losing the word <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh commentary um mm-hmm. yes that's what I was looking for they're using that in their commentary now to draw attention to it and it, I, uh, I find it kind of interesting I do definitely find it interesting in the fact that it's like uh from an, uh, an article on Vice talking about it how they say, you know, cyberpunk cities are ones that fetishize Asian culture but don't actually have Asians in them. Yeah. And it's, like, I find that kind of interesting in the idea that it's, like, they they bring the culture with them because that's where they are, but they don't bring the culture itself with them, but more of just, like, this caricature of it. Yeah. As white people are prone to do. <laughs> yeah. As three three white people sitting here saying, yes. but yes, yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I noticed, too, in, uh, in Deckard's uh, apartment, he has a Buddha head, which is, like, all over in decor. Uh, maybe not as much anymore, but for a few years there, like, you couldn't walk into a Marshall's without seeing a Buddha head, which is actually extremely disrespectful to the religion because um, uh, the statues were really valuable, of course, so thieves would chop off the heads and transport that part because it was the easiest part to basically, like, get to their buyer. Um, but, you know, that's like leaving a headless statue of a Buddha, and that's their religious symbol. It's like decapitating Jesus or something. Yeah, just, like, chop Jeez. off the, the top half of the cross or something, just the top yeah. half. <laughs> it's the part with the arms! Yeah. <laughs> it's the most or, important you know, part. Inverting a cross, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm also really glad to see uh, that in 2019 there will be a major insurg- or major resurgence of companies like Atari and yeah. JVC. <laughs> They're coming great. back. They're coming back for... They're doing great. <laughs> They're being resurrected. <laughs> oh, man. It's just so great to like go back and see just like what the early 80s was like. These are the things that are going to be paving the way. Yeah. Still looking the, for flying cars. Yeah, mm. still. Yeah, we're, we're never getting the flying cars. <laughs> They're just never going to happen. You bite <laughs> your tongue. people. Oh, no. No way. No. Like, I People can't drive regular day. cars now. Yeah. This morning, somebody cut me off as we were going through the intersection. Like, they cut me off in the middle of the intersection. And then stranded me in the intersection. And I watched the light turn yellow. And then I watched the light turn red. And I was like, please, God don't kill me today <laughs> because of this dumbass. <laughs> so yeah. Don't yeah people flying around is just a recipe for lots Disaster. of midair collisions and such. <laughs> I had, I was, when I was walking through the parking lot at the grocery store this week, I had a woman about to back out of her parking spot while I'm walking behind her. <laughs> so she's almost going to hit me with her car. But the worst part of it is, is that there's no one in front of her. So she (laughs) could have pulled through and just driven away. You didn't show up on her backup camera. She was like, everything's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. All right, so I I feel like we should talk a bit about the elephant in the room, which is the scene where uh, Deckard Mm -hmm. basically assaults Mm -hmm. Rachel. Mm -hmm. And I, from what I understand, in the script, it was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. That they hated the, each other, apparently. Yeah, in the script, like, uh, he kind of, like, more gently leads her. Like, in the script, it's more clear she's just hesitant because she's like, oh, my memories aren't really real, and I don't know if I should be doing this or not, et cetera, et cetera. And he just kind of, like, guides her towards it, and it makes more sense. But in this, he just straight up gets violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just basically a what consent isn't 101, <laughs> which is... Yeah. 
and it wasn't even the fact that it happened so much that bothered me so much as the way it was framed as romantic yeah i feel like in a lot of 80s movies there is a lot of uh grabbing people by the face or people getting angry or trying to leave and the other person stops them yeah it was just a, like it was funny a big enough <laughs> it's not just 80s movies it is specifically harrison ford movies yeah, yeah. That, that's what i was gonna bring up did you see the pop culture detective video where he talks about this i, I didn't used... i didn't see that i read it when uh there was an article on cracked yeah. um mm-hmm. that the writer david wong had put up at one point that was uh I think it was a year, maybe two ago, that he had written it when it was uh, in response to one of the major, like, um, sex uh, assault allegations against whoever. Um, And, actually, I think it was after the the Brock uh, Turner case. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I know the article. The article was basically called, um, Why Men Don't Understand Consent. Yeah. And a big thing that he talked about is he said, I'm a person who grew up as a, a boy into a teenager in the 80s with heroes like Harrison Ford. And I, in every Harrison Ford movie, I'm being shown that the way he gets women to be with him is he basically like forces them to be with him and then they submit and they're fine with it. Yeah. yeah. He's like, so to have that, have pop culture basically telling me this is how this works and then turn around and have actual life tell me, no, it's not. At that point, you don't know what is going on. And that is one way to explain how a boy could say that he didn't understand that she wasn't okay with him forcing himself on her. Yeah. I feel like what happens is, like, you're presented with, like, Harrison Ford, who's, like, this, like, cool anti-hero, and you want to be like him. And in the universe of the movies... She does want it, so it's fine, but he's being presented as this sort of mind reader who knows that she really means yes, even though she's saying no, and real life obviously doesn't work that way, and it just kind of, like, leads to, like you said, like, boys growing up thinking this is the way it works. Like, this is how relationships work. This is how romantic relationships work. She may seem like she doesn't want it, but really she does, and you just have to, like, crack the code and figure it out and just kind of, like, keep pushing it, and eventually she'll give in. And this is the role model that everyone is supposed to look up to, and it just leads into a lot of, like, toxic behavior. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely um, doesn't help either that he is, like, so handsome, and (laughs) everyone is like, oh, well... But like, it's Harrison Ford, you know. Of course, it's, it's Harrison so Ford. Of course, yeah, I was gonna say, and then you, and then you have those weird moments where you'll have like random women who are like, "Well, if Harrison Ford tried to make me kiss him, I'd be okay with it." And you're like, "You're not helping." Yeah. Exactly. Also, this isn't about you. Yeah. Exactly. Because I'm sure that plenty of people have said that because you're like, "Oh yeah, he's he's attractive. I wouldn't mind it." But if you're in that situation in real life. You, oh my god, the dog It's usually not out. Harrison Ford doing it, also, is it's the thing. It's not Harrison Ford doing it, and even if it was Harrison Ford in real life, it would probably be a much scarier yeah. uh, it, it's scenario. One thing, it's one thing to, like, fantasize about stuff like that, but if it's, like, actually happening to you, it's a very, very, very different thing. Yeah. Very you, different. You're not Harrison Ford, Chad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I do think it's interesting with some of the other trivia that I was reading, um it seemed a little bit like Ridley Scott had something to do with that scene being yeah. forceful. Yeah, I, yeah, because in the script, again, it wasn't forceful from what I understood, because I did, I looked a bit of this stuff up, and I'm like, was it like this in the script, or was this Ridley Scott? And I'm like, yeah, it was Ridley Scott. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because it's also um, in, the, in the book that it's based on, it's in no way like that either. Yeah. Uh, at that point, it's more along the lines of, she comes to him realizing that she is a replicant and is basically looking for comfort and kind of throws herself at him. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm a man, so I just give in because I, you know, why wouldn't I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then they, they wind up, like, sleeping with each other. Whereas it's like every every iteration of this scene I have se- I've seen or heard of that isn't what is in the movie is, like, consensual. Um, You know, it, it sometimes even, like, tender and it's like oh well you know what we should do he should bash her head backwards against a window and then demand she kiss him and while she's crying yeah Yeah. (laughs) i don't understand that either because it's like you as a director or 
uh, producer or whatever, like, it's so easy to just say, hey, this needs to be consensual. This needs well, to be intimate. Thing- this needs to be nice. <laughs> I feel like this also ties into what we talked about in the Psycho episode, too, which is, like, a lot of times, like, creators wind up injecting parts of themselves into their work mm-hmm. whether they mean to or not and this feels like an example of that to me where they mm-hmm. feel oh this is this is good like this is like you know it, it's it's sexy because like you know it's a little bit rough but she really wants it and it, it's kind of disturbing <laughs> seeing yeah. that someone else's psychology play out on screen for you that way when it's like this but at and the it- same time i have to wonder is like why is it that like every director that worked with Harrison Ford did the same thing, and yeah. like I think I honestly think part of it was is that like this was everybody trying to recapture like the Han and Leia, yeah, because Which... that's exactly what happened there too. He mm. basically backs her into a corner and says like, you know, I think you actually are attracted to me, and she says, no, I'm not. And he goes, yeah, you are, and then they make out. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like they kind of come together in that scene. I I haven't seen it in a little bit so it's i, I mean wrong. it's 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 not this he it's, is yeah it's definitely he not is this. he no, is no. not you know laying hands on her and basically demanding that she be a part of this yeah like he's he's kind of he's rough flirting and then as he's getting closer she stops like being uh defensive towards him yeah yeah and yeah she gets, like, like, she gets like softer as it progresses from what i remember of that scene yeah yeah, and it's definitely a, it plays out much differently. And it's it's also not as far as um I think it was Temple of Doom where as Indiana Jones uh, <laughs> he goes to kiss a woman, she says no, goes to walk away and he whips her so that yeah. his bullwhip ties around her like a lasso and pulls her back to him. So yeah. charming. <laughs> Which is he really, he pulls what is basically a weapon on her. Yeah. <laughs> and like forces her to come close to him like great wonderful. and it's really interesting because he doesn't seem like that i feel like in his in his real life you know but who knows but yeah who, <laughs> who knows, knows what I mean? anyone's really like <laughs> yeah, yeah that's very true i mean <sighs> the fact that like he slept with uh carrie fisher when she was like 19 and he oh, was married yeah. and he was cheating yeah that's <laughs> yeah definitely a, that's definitely a situation yeah i no one said that Harrison Ford is a good person. Yeah. Um. We just all wanted to assume. Yeah. yeah. Like I mean, we always do. We all people. just wanted to assume the story of Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he saved multiple people's lives, but that doesn't take away from and what yet, he may or may not do in his personal life. And yet he apparently also can't fly without <laughs> crashing. <laughs> He's very old. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the golf course in a plane. <laughs> Who is he? Howard Hughes? Yeah. <laughs> there was a family that tried to fly their plane to Epcot, and they all died because they couldn't land in the parking lot. Wow. Yep. Thanks, Lita. <laughs> Rich people suck. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> I think that they like miscalculated the amount of gas they would need from wherever they were flying from, and they like almost made it, and then <laughs> which is even worse. <laughs> Just gliding on fumes directly at that giant golf ball dome. <laughs> we're gonna make it, kids. Oh, it's we're not funny. They died. Earth. <laughs> yeah. No, it's we're not laughing at the people that tried. We're laughing at the lives. situation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm laughing at the people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I only just uh, met you. I don't need to make myself out like that much of a monster yet. <laughs> uh, I was also going to mention, like, in regards to directors um, and directors that we obviously don't hold to any sort of standard or writers, I guess, uh, D&D from Game of Thrones. I was he, about to bring that up. They yeah. had the fact that they changed uh, the books the, with Danny and Drogo's first time, which yeah. in the books was a consensual, very sweet scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the show, they changed it into a brutal rape. Which, well, I wonder... Me... They changed it into a brutal rape seems to be a common statement when it comes to talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah, or they yes. just added a brutal rape for no reason. You know, yeah. it's why I stopped watching, essentially. Um, I just like to add that although it was tender in the book, she was still 13, so she was younger than she is in the show, and it's still 
was fucked yeah, well, up. Well, that's kind of but like... he at least gave her the chance to, you know... Uh, there's all coming to her own. Yeah, there's all kinds of weird young age shit going on in the Game of Thrones books. Everyone's younger in the Game yeah, of Thrones books. And what's even yeah. worse is the fact that it's it's a book in which a grown man is constantly writing about a 13-year-old's breast. Yeah, that's yes. kind of awkward. <laughs> kind of a little bit. Yeah, and it also doesn't change the fact that although that first time was fine and uh, consensual as it could be, he does still rape her and yeah. there's a lot of talk about how exhausted she is every day after writing and everything like yeah. that so but they decided to make the one good part in the books i mean into also a bad part i mean that, in this show. that is something i also think about though because it might because yeah, like, from a story sense it does sort of make more sense to have it start start brutally mean a little bit then it makes it so much harder to swallow later when they are mm-hmm. in love with each other it's just the it just didn't need to happen that way, period. <laughs> I was going to say, because essentially yeah. what they boiled it down to was he fell in love with her when she decided to like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it basically was Stockholm Syndrome yeah. to a point. Because, like, she, she, yeah, she was just doing, just trying to adapt as best as she could to the situation. Yeah. yeah. And then she got dragons. Yay. Which everyone wants. So. Yeah, right? I don't know. I don't think I'd be able to handle dragons. Like, I could barely handle having a cat. Well, she can't handle her dragons either, so. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> oh, what else do we have to talk about? Um, I'm looking through my notes, and they don't make a lot of sense. My first note is Harrison Ford is so hot. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate this shirtless scene. Let's work on this. <laughs> And then the rest of the movie, I was like, hmm. Honestly, I think one of the things about this movie that, that like, always I find so fascinating because it's also, in a way, so terrible is the costuming. What do you mean? He's got the popped the, collar. The fa- well, the fact that it's it's this weird, like, it's such an 80s future concept because mm-hmm. it's, like, everything clashes. It's all very odd colors, like, pattern on top of pattern. It is all just really not good. <laughs> And yet, like, looking at the movie, it works yeah, it, so well. Yeah, it does work. Mm-hmm. It does work really well. Uh, let's get into, uh, Matt, maybe you can tell us more about the differences between uh, the theatrical release and the final cut. Oh, gosh. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to get myself ready for that, though. Because <laughs> uh, it, has, it has legitimately been years since I've seen uh, the theatrical cut because I don't like it. Yeah. Um, I can, like, uh, the one major difference, obviously, is the narration that was in the theatrical release that's not present in the later cuts, which I feel like, I don't know, because it does, there is that noir aspect, so it does, in a way, make sense to have narration, but it just didn't work for this, and also the fact that Harrison Ford just did not <laughs> want to do the narration, it just made it sound so terrible and very dull. Have you ever heard, like, the, um... Like the, I guess technically it's like the blooper tracks of him doing the narration for this movie. No, I never have. It is it is points for just like him reading a line where it's like, yeah, they used to call them skin jobs. It's kind of like blah blah, and then there's just like it ends and he he just goes, this is shit. This is shit. I hate this. Why am I reading this? This is fucking stupid. All right, let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, I read that he did it intentionally badly because he hated it he was really hoping that if they only had really terrible takes they'd never use it but Mm -hmm. they did and the studio said no we need it because we don't understand the movie (laughs) yeah it's it's basically just like kind of like holding your hand and just kind of like guiding you throughout what's going on i feel like it could it it could have been done well but it it wasn't I, funny enough, um, on top of the fact that there is a sexual assault in the movie, is that in the theatrical cut, they do get Harrison Ford to say the N-word. Oh, what? no. <laughs> and it's it's in uh, the, the the narration track. Oh, is that when they, first, when they first introduce the captain, his statement is, is that, you know, this is Captain... I already forget his name. You know, uh, he... He refers to replicants as skin jobs. He'd be the kind of ga- uh, the kind of cop that back in the day would have called a black guy the N-word. Oh my but he God. says the word. Oh, 
That was back in the day when they thought that like you could just say it as long yeah. as you're well, not saying it. I was gonna say this was also you know this was eighty one, eighty two. Yeah. This was around the same time that Neil Diamond remade the jazz singer. <laughs> <laughs> doing an entire scene in blackface. Ugh. So it's like, it is such a confusing time. <laughs> Everything's upside down. What do we do? Uh... Yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, famous rock and roll stars that compared certain aspects of life into, like, this sort of person is the N-word of... Oh, yeah, like John Lennon famously. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that... I remember I went years and years ago, I went to a museum and like they had like a whole Beatles exhibit there. And like that phrase was like plastered on the wall. Oh my God. And I was like, why? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why is this here? Why are you proud of this? I don't understand. Right right next to the plaque that said, we're bigger than Jesus. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Like, I'm all for, I always was one to defend, like, the use of the word and Huck Finn and stuff like that. Yeah. That... As, like, uh, don't oh, yeah, censor it because then kids don't know why it's bad to say, you know? I was going to say, it's depicting a time in which that was a commonplace way of putting someone down. That makes sense. Yeah, of yeah. course. But then also, like, now I'm like, maybe we could just erase the word and no one would ever be called it again in, like, the perfect world, <laughs> you know? But I, that's obviously not going to happen anytime of soon, course. especially with what's uh, going on right now. Nope. But... <laughs> nope. Uh, it's, that's depressing, though. I actually gasped when you said that. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yes, it is. It is one of the few things that I remember. I think it was a few years ago when I finally saw the theatrical cut again that, like, it happened. I went, holy crap, why? Yeah. I can't believe I don't like, what is this. <laughs> and it, it feels, again, it feels like it's one of those things that it was, like, Ford sitting in the booth being like, yeah, they'll never let me actually put this in the movie if I just throw the N-word and at him. And then they did. <laughs> and then they do. Wow. They're like, yeah, that really does explain his character. No, it oh, doesn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Just like I just mentioned, like all this like outrageous shit in like the booth, and just kind of like just throwing <laughs> all this crazy crap out there. Uh, I could just I just imagine him like thinking of all these different things that he's like, maybe if I say this, yeah, They're like maybe oh, if I oh, go on a rant I, about anal sex for yeah, a while, <laughs> I, I bet if I just keep throwing, uh, I can't even do it because like then I'm then I don't want to go on record of throwing around a bunch of different racial slurs and stuff just to try and like pretend like that's what Harrison yeah. Ford would do. <laughs> yeah, but when you run, when you run for Ford office, that's like the soundbite they use in the campaigns oh, against yeah. you. <laughs> oh, I can't. Uh, after after the past few years of doing podcasting stuff, I can't run for office for shit. <laughs> um, honestly, you probably are more likely to get elected now because of well that. if you run yeah, as a republican like... yeah <laughs> if you run as a democrat <laughs> no. so on to a slightly lighter topic uh so uh a... genocide <laughs> <No>. <laughs> back it up back it up <laughs> uh deckard a replicant or a human that is the ambiguous ending we are left with in the final cut mm, what do you guys think true. i know I know the opinions on, and I guess like the fact, the gospel of the director. But before I saw that, I think replicant. Yeah, the director said replicant. Everybody else was like, no, he's human. Yeah, apparently, apparently, uh, Ford and Scott have gotten into arguments yeah. in the past over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point where it's like, well, I made the movie. Yeah, but I played the character. <laughs> um, and then I then I tend to assume that Harrison Ford just yelled, "Give me back my wife." <laughs> Um, Did, does, is that a story? <laughs> no, it's just that's that's like for for like ten years in the late nineties, early two thousands. That was the joke of Harrison Ford <laughs> was that those were the only movies he made was somebody kidnapped his wife and he has to get oh, her back. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I I I don't know. The problem is, did either of you wind up? Well, I mean, I, if Lita, you didn't see this one, I'm assuming you didn't see Blade Runner twenty forty nine. No, I, I still haven't okay. seen it. No. All right. Uh, the argument on that does carry over into the second movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will not tell you whether or not they actually uh, reveal it. I thought I saw something that said that they did, but now I'm not knowing if I'm remembering correctly. There, for a while, a lot of people were wondering, will they? Um, mm-hmm. They they touch on the fact 
but I will not tell you if they they state yes or no. Yeah, I'm of the opinion. And it's actually kind of part of the plot of that movie. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> a little bit. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abstain and let you guys question. <laughs> uh, instead, I will throw in my favorite bit of trivia for the, the final cut of this movie, which is all of the footage of the unicorn that was supposed to be Deckard's dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, was footage that Scott used later on when he filmed Legend with Tom Cruise. Oh, so they just huh. reused it. It was, he had he was st- already starting to film Legend when they were doing post-production on Blade Runner. Oh, I see. And so he was like, oh, well, I've got this footage of a horse dressed as a unicorn running through the woods. I'll make that his, uh, his dream. <laughs> and, like, I guess he had already planned it was going to be a unicorn or something, because they have the, the, the origami unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, like, this was at a point where apparently Ridley Scott was making, like, two to three movies at a time. Jesus. Too much, man. Too much. That horse was just like, get this fucking horn off my face. I'm yeah, like, I, that's <laughs> the funny thing is, you watch it shaking its head like, D- what the yeah. fuck is this? <laughs> it's like when I try to put a toy on my dog's head and she's like, uh, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm of the opinion that I think it's best left ambiguous because the whole point of this movie is what is really the difference between a human and a replicant. So I feel yeah. like it's best sort of left up in the air just to kind of like push that theme furthermore, like what makes you human, what doesn't make you human. Mm-hmm. So that's my opinion on the matter, <laughs> and I know I know that's that's what a lot of people have said as well. Is that ultimately the the true answer to the question is it doesn't matter because if it does, you didn't watch the movie right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that I don't know if it was just the final cut, but I did notice there was a scene where uh, the light reflects off of his eyes and they're kind of glowing. Yeah, I like, think that was uh, like Rachel's does. Yeah, that was. I think I remember reading somewhere that was actually like an accident. <laughs> like oh, it was great. yeah it was um that's i think it's because they had a shot that they were doing that with rachel yes and he leans into the same shot so it uh, does the same thing to yeah. him because okay. the way that they were doing it was they had a mirror set up in front of her that they were bouncing a light off of that and up yeah. into her eye yeah, you know, back when yeah. they so did practical catch the lens. instead of relying on cgi yeah. for everything yeah. <laughs> so that the fact that it would catch the 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 mirror lens in the back of her eye it was obviously going to do it to him too yeah. So a lot of people are like, look, look, yo, that's that's supposed uh, to be that he's he's a replica. It's like, no, it means he got into her light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm so clever, and it's just an accident. <laughs> Sorry, Lita. Yes. Um, Take uh, that. It's, no, how, it's fine. how dare you read into things? <laughs> um, I I definitely think that it proves that he's got um, whether or not he is, he's definitely slightly more emotional than the others. Although I felt like he was very quiet and subdued I'm, and kind of meh at I times. I mean, I feel like it the is... humans in this movie are way less uh, full of emotion than the replicants, which I feel yeah. like was also kind of the point. It's a yeah. far more nuanced role than Ford has ever done. <laughs> like, True. The fact that it's not, you know, your, your brash action hero type character, it was a lot more contemplation and, you know things of that nature but um i think it's it's interesting in the fact that that's that's one of the major major things you take away from the movie is the replicants are far more in touch with their emotions they're far more connected with each other they're caring of each other there's a lot more you know humanity in them for the sheer fact that they all know they have a limited amount of time before they disappear yeah Yeah. which don't we all but they know that there's this even but yeah, they they ours. come into existence being told in four years you will be dead. Yeah, <sighs> heavy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of which, how about uh, how about the end of Elden Tyrell? <laughs> yeah, I thought oh. that was in my notes too. Gouging out his eyes. That was, was I, very I, reminiscent of the mountain and the viper. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Game of Thrones again. Uh, <laughs> I find it I find it interesting in the sheer fact just because it's it's um one it's another big symbolic yeah. part of the the movie the fact that the opening shot of this movie is of an eye mm-hmm. you can see in the eyes of the replicants you know the little red glow that shows that they aren't human yeah. uh, the first person that they come across from the Tyrell Corporation is the guy who makes the eyes and everything like that yeah. like it's a huge you know theme that kind of runs through is is the eyes of 
the people that are in yeah, it. Yeah, like eyes and are the to windows have it... to the soul and all that stuff. Was, yes. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so to have it be that his eyes were what they killed him with. Yeah. yeah. Is... It, felt, it felt like a judgment, basically. And, like, the fact oh, that he my. was, like, he, like, wore those, like, weird glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Giant Coke bottle lenses. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting that the uh, kiss between the two of them before the replicant kills him was more intimate and consensual seeming than the second. <laughs> <laughs> the real romance of Blade Runner. <laughs> yes. No one no one talks about the the missed uh, starstruck lovers of uh yeah. Tyrell and Roy Batty. Yeah. And you can tell that he felt bad about uh killing and, and maiming, you know. Or I mean I I feel like you could feel his emotions in that scene. Well, I think the big thing that, that kind of falls from it is you, you come to realize that while Roy is not adverse to hurting people, he realizes that killing Tyrell was an accident. It's it's very much a Frankenstein's monster moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's you know, out of, out of the rage of knowing that there's no way he can extend his life, he killed the man mm-hmm. uh, and then realized that he had t- kind of done it on accident. And that's when he also realizes that that's why Sebastian calls the police about them being in his apartment is because he screwed up and now they're going to have the cops sicked on them. Yeah. Um, it's also why you see it's, it's, it's interesting. I feel like we could do a whole nother podcast just on fucking Roy Batty. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. I was going to say it's, it's interesting to see that it's this whole concept that throughout the entire movie, like he, he has no problem with hurting people. Like the one person, or I guess technically two people that he kills. I, I'm guessing he killed the the dude who made the eyes. Um, but like the one person that he killed was on accident, and then when it came to a second time where he was going to kill Deckard, he then just decides not to. Yeah. Well, and... he kills Sebastian too. No, because they they do they say that they found his body. I believe. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I thought he just ran. I think they say they found a body of a 25 year old and then name him so that's why uh deckard goes to the the apartment i thought oh uh, okay so then I'm, him. i was gonna say i might be i might be mixing it up with the uh the book then because in the book he winds up calling the cops and saying the the replicants are staying at his place okay um yeah well i never caught that oh well <laughs> um something new <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like one one death was an accident, the second then was to, to try and cover it up, and then when there's the chance that he could get a third one, which would be, if anything, the most justified killing he has done in the entire movie, he decides not to. Yeah, yeah, and also, like, the nail in the hand and all that stuff, very Jesus imagery there, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, like, interesting. Like, there is no, this movie is, de- the one thing this movie is not is black and white. Oh, absolutely. No. Yeah. Which is and refreshing. of course Noir always seems to reside in that morally gray area. Anyways. Oh yeah, definitely. Also, <laughs> that the ending of this movie is the one point where the terrible narration becomes <laughs> just like so stupidly beat you over the head. <laughs> where it's after after Roy saves uh, Deckard and has him on the roof and he dies. And there's that that shot where it's just Deckard like bleeding and in the rain and just kind of looking at him. Yeah. It then goes into this whole speech where he's like, I, I wasn't sure why he saved my life. Oh, yeah, Maybe in his this. final moments, he realized that life was precious, no matter whose it was. And it's like, yeah, no fucking duh. It's got, like, it gets very after school special. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, get home safe, kids. Don't do drugs. Stay but it, I, like, it was, it's just you're sitting there being like, oh, really? Like, uh. <laughs> Like how stupid do you think we all are? And that's yeah, the that's problem is bad. it was it was legitimately the producers were like, well, we don't get it. It's like, well, then you're not watching. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of movies that have been ruined because of notes like that. Oh, the audience isn't going to understand. It's like, well, maybe have some faith that your audience isn't a bunch of dumb shits. I mean, to be fair, there are a lot of dumb shits out there, but a movie like this, they're not going to like it anyway, regardless of how much you shove everything down their throats, they're still not going to like it because they're dumb shits. (laughs) There's no point. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
this movie, I knew that we were going to watch it last night, so I made um, noodle soup that I could eat <laughs> while I was watching. That's great. That is great. Mm. <laughs> oh, the score. I love the score for this movie. It's very good. Uh, I'm that The ending uh, song, I was jamming to it. I feel like you could just like s- like sit in like a dark room and just kind of like put this music on <laughs> and just like lay there and have some like fucked up mm-hmm. dreams. <laughs> Honestly, I have had more than one occasion where I've listened to the score of this movie while writing. Oh, that's a good idea. Because it is just so atmospheric. It is. And the thing I find so funny about it is going back and listening to it, like the first time I decided to sit down and listen to the score itself, realizing how much of the sound in the movie is actually the score and not like sound design. Yeah, yeah. Like I uh, was it Nerdwriter who did a video about the music in Blade Runner? Or am I thinking of someone else? Yeah, that was him. It was him. Okay. <laughs> he did that one, and he did the why. I or no, I never mind. It was um he did that one, and then it was a lessons from the screenplay that did why Blade Runner is uh one of the prototypical noirs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember watching that one as well. Um. And I agree with both of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I recommend both those channels to anybody. Yeah, especially Lessons from a Screenplay. And Nerdwriter, like, I enjoy his channel, but, like, if you watch too many of his stuff in a row, it just kind of, his voice gets grating. <laughs> I can understand that. As as someone who feels that same way listening to myself, I get it. No, you have a good voice. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Aw, shucks. You have a good radio voice. I've been listening to our, um our voices a lot trying to sync up this stupid psycho episode that's giving me troubles and i just listening to my voice i'm like shut up shut up shut up shut up <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's 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 something you get used to after a while like yeah. i mean i know i know when i first started doing podcasts and stuff like i would hear myself i'd be like oh god you sound like an idiot i hate you <laughs> and then like after i don't know after a couple months or whatever i was like yeah whatever yeah yeah, I've been, like, listening to because I just have, I still just have, like, just my audio track, and, like, I'll just, like, a couple days ago, I just wound up listening to just my half of the Citizen Kane episode, because I was like, oh, yeah, I remember I did, like, the whole thing in the beginning, where I was, like, I knew everything about it, so I won't listen to myself be smart, and then I was just like, yeah. oh, my voice is stupid. <laughs> I can't wait till we flip it around and do a movie that I know a lot about so that I could be like, yeah, I know things. <laughs> yeah, take that. <laughs> because now I'm just like, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I noticed that too. Wow, yeah. <laughs> you had stuff to I say. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> you had stuff to say in the episodes. You, yeah, you've I gone on several been, rants against trivia. Florida. It's been <laughs> I have so much ammo. I have so much. You'll be out of there soon, <laughs> so... Oh god. Two months. <laughs> Two months. Yeah, she's moving to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I told my work last week that I am moving and I may or may not be going remote. I still don't have any confirmation one way or the other. So Did I'm you make sure to tell them it was their fault? <laughs> <laughs> now see if I did that, then they might not let me go remote. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, no, I do I like my job. It's just I don't like Florida, so who does? No one. No one's smart. <laughs> True. <laughs> the only... Uh, now, here's the funny thing, is that if you asked our friend Mike, he'd say the only good thing that came out of Florida was Walt Disney World. I say the only good thing that came out of Florida is the Florida Man Twitter feed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So... With that, so many people are always like, oh, man, Florida's got such crazy news stories, which, like, true. But the reason why we do is because it's, like, a right-to-know state or something like that. So- yes, they have it that all all uh, criminal records and stuff like that that they go into the police file are immediately made public record. Yes. And uh, which a lot of other states about- don't. Yeah. Um, I believe Ohio does because there's uh, quite a few uh, crazy Ohio man stories. <laughs> So, like, you know, all those, you don't think that those states out in the Midwest where there's fucking nothing to do and there's nothing out except, like, planes and tornadoes, that they're not doing meth and bath salts and eating people's faces? Because they sure are. You just don't hear about it. Oh, yeah. I'm fairly certain Wisconsin is just a wasteland. (laughs) With cheese. With cheese. (laughs) That's where my grandparents are from, and they moved here uh, from there, so, you know. And I don't believe in Wyoming. Uh, (laughs) You don't believe in it. No, no state is a square, so I'm pretty sure it's just nothing. 
<laughs> you, and they keep telling, oh, no, it's a state. You, you no, know, there's nothing there. You know, I never met anyone from Wyoming, so maybe you have a point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. Uh... No one lives there. No one goes there because it's just, it is a government black site. <laughs> I think I have cousins from there, but it might be Montana. It's probably Montana. No, it's Montana. Yeah, it's Montana. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board. I'm on board the Wyoming conspiracy states. theory train. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm going to start a blog. <laughs> I don't believe in any of the states, like, out in the middle there, that, like, the ones that you can never name if you're looking at a map. Those don't exist. Those aren't real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, those four corner states? None of them. No. Breaking Bad, <laughs> Breaking pre- Bad was set in a place that doesn't exist. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. even though I think I think most of them was that's New Mexico, Colorado, one other, another one, uh, the other one, Utah's kind <laughs> of <laughs> the, the other one and the ugly one. <laughs> uh, Utah looks like the Little Dipper or something. I think it's I Utah. think that's Kansas. Yeah, that's ca- no. Maybe. Is it is it Kansas or is that no Oklahoma? No, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah, it's Oklahoma. yeah. It's Oklahoma. It's not Kansas. Kansas. None of them matter. <laughs> We're coastal elites, so, you know, we don't care about the middle of the country. I live 30 minutes outside of New York City, so I'm pretty sure there's nowhere else in the world. There isn't. You're right. The end. We're going to post this podcast, and, like, our three listeners are going to all be from the Midwest. They're going to get up to this point, and they're going to be like, fuck these people. I'm out. You goddamn liberals. I'm valid. Wyoming is valid. Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. And then the revolution happened. <laughs> My dog just grunted in response to that, so I think she likes it too. Uh, <laughs> tell Evie I said hi. <laughs> Jackie says hi. She wagged her tail. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in for our next episode where our guest is my dog. I, I think your dog would be a great guest. <laughs> I think be. your dog. Yeah, she's actually you... very talkative. Did you like that part? Did you? Did you? <laughs> Okay, um, I absolutely recommend this movie to anyone who has a pulse. Um, uh, specifically, I, f- I tend to feel like if you're if you're into film, this is something you've probably already seen. If you're into sci-fi, it's something you've probably already seen. But I think it's one that honestly can branch out to people away from very specific genre conventions because it has a moral and a story that I think a lot of people can connect to. If they just decide not to get caught up on the idea that it's a man hunting robots in the future. Yeah. (laughs) That it's very obviously an allegory for equality that sadly, even today, still needs to be told. Well said. Especially with things like the travel ban. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's much more eloquent than what I'm going to come up with. (laughs) Are you just going to swear a lot? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking shit, man. It was like... (laughs) With that, you can go next, Lita. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Now all I have in my head is fucking shit. Ugh. Thank you, um, Florida. <laughs> so I liked it. Um, it's I didn't expect it to be as quiet as it was, and I, I'm not used to movies being like that anymore because I, um, I feel like I'm very overexposed to a lot of blockbuster movies now since that's what everyone likes to talk about, and it seems like every movie that comes out is made to be loud. (laughs) Um, Michael Bay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. So I appreciated that, and it was nice seeing um, a lot of what I learned about in my noir class sort of addressed and at times um, turned on its head in this movie. Um, I don't know. I I liked it. I feel like I need to be away from it for a little bit longer to form any sort of eloquent statement. Yeah, it 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 is one of those movies where it kind of has to be revisited, but like not in a row. You just kind of have to like absorb it and then kind of like watch it again to kind of really get into it. Uh, With that being said, I I do like this movie and I I do appreciate so many aspects of it, and it's very well done and it's a classic and it's something everyone should see. I don't connect to it too much on a personal level, I do have to say. Like, it doesn't grab me as much mm-hmm. as um, it does some other people. But it is an excellent film, uh, and I'm glad we did it for this podcast. It is something everyone should have in uh, their rep- repertoire of, like, films that they've seen. So, yeah, I'm glad we did it. 
I think it's definitely something that people should watch to address their own humanity and to address the humanity of others and realize that other people experience um, life in different ways yes. than they do. Yeah. And I, I do always like stories where, like, um, we question what it means actually to be human. So that's uh, mm-hmm. and this and the atmosphere of that movie are kind of like my two favorite things about it, for sure. Uh, I also recommend, as I did before, um, to both of you and anyone else listening, to also see Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, I do want to see that. Um, it is one of you know I I personally I love it as much if not maybe even more than the original film. Uh, there is a lot in the new movie that I feel like I connected to personally more than I did in the original. Um, And on top of it being, it's also very beautifully shot. It has the same sort of pacing and feel where it's for the first time in a long time, it's a movie that takes its time to do what it's meant to do instead of just being like, okay, it's been five minutes and nothing blew up. We are failing. (laughs) Um, And it's a rare, it's a rare thing these days. It is. Um, it, It touches on some of the same themes as well as new ones um for you know concepts of what is humanity and all that uh it is also one of the few movies that i feel like ryan gosling was the perfect actor to bring in as the main character really um and yet again that's that's something that i will i would touch on more (laughs) but it, it does also kind of fit into the plot a little bit Oh, okay yeah so maybe maybe one day down the road we'll do the sequel to this movie. Maybe sometime. Yeah, but if we all see it, it doesn't fit the theme of your podcast. <laughs> if anything, I would have to make both of you watch. No, it. no. That well, we have all seen Blade Runner. The point is to watch it specifically for the podcast. Oh, see, I thought yeah, the whole yeah. point was to be like so you could just shame Lita on not seeing movies. <laughs> Basically, I was waiting for the moment where it was like, and now's the point where we all just laugh at Lita for not having seen this. <laughs> audience join in shame shame yeah. <laughs> you are trapped you are trapped we just like follow with torches uh, we... down the town square yeah <laughs> we also have such a bad habit of like mentioning things that we hate in this podcast <laughs> like both of us we'll, we like keep mentioning game of thrones and like firefly and, and like the harassers in hollywood we're like fuck these people fuck that show yeah we were, were talking about shitty men in hollywood before all the weinstein stuff happened too so yeah. Yeah. It also it also kind of hurts me on the inside to hear you say that you hate Firefly. I get not okay, liking no, it, no, no, but no, no, I've no, never heard someone it. vehemently hate <laughs> it. No, 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 no. No, hold on. Back it up. I do not hate Firefly. <laughs> I love Firefly and I love Serenity. There are aspects and on rewatches and learning more about it that make me resent parts of it now. And oh yeah. Obviously Joss Whedon, I resent him. What was now. it? You called him Josh Wee Wee. It taints everything. <laughs> I'd love to meet him and call him Josh to his face over and over again. <laughs> Just watch. I feel the like he would hate that so much. Yeah. I was gonna say now, isn't isn't Josh a weird way he pronounces Joseph? Probably. <laughs> I would just call him Joe. <laughs> hey Joey, like, Joey. They're like, what's what's going on, Joe? Uh, it's Josh. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. Oh, I'm I'm the sorry. Is silent. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Hollywood. No. <laughs> It's it's like it's like Topher Grace. He just decided not to call himself Chris because yeah. his real name is Christopher. He's like I'm. He's like I'm oh, I feel so like I feel like I would stand out more uh, in an audition if my name was Topher. It's like <laughs> you sound like a dick. <laughs> it sounds like a gopher tortoise to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see his name without thinking of it. Oh man! Now it's now I'll never be able to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> Just like imagine his little face, and he kind of looks like a turtle as it is. <laughs> oh god! Now, see, because what I'm picturing is I'm picturing his face as Eric Foreman, but on the Gopher from Caddyshack. <laughs> Oh, boy. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> take that where you must. <laughs> take take that with you and cherish it. <laughs> keep it secret. Uh. Keep it safe. Um. Anyway. um. <laughs> the first one's free. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, the Why Haven't You Watched That podcast uh, with Jackie, Lita, and 
our guest Matt, and hopefully you can come back and do another one with us sometime. I see a lot of movies, we, so yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I there'll don't. be another one. <laughs> Once we get through the the list of all the other people who want to be guests now, <laughs> mostly my friends, which I feel okay. Yeah. <laughs> On my side, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to bring in my friend Robert for Contact because he loves that movie and he, he keeps asking me to watch it and it's like a it's I, like a meme amongst I, our friends now. He's like, have you seen Contact? I, I haven't seen Contact. So that could be one we do where neither of us have seen it and the guest has. Yeah. It could be a thing. Was that Charlie Sheen? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I feel like... I think there's a woman that's the main character. Uh, I feel like there's a Charlie Sheen movie called Contact as well. This- possible it's a sci-fi i don't know oh well the first thing i the first thing i looked up was charlie sheen contact oh no uh, oh no i I got an la weekly article giving me his phone number (laughs) (laughs) from 2011 yeah that's totally not his phone number anymore um it is jodie foster and matthew mcconaughey oh okay (laughs) And a bunch of other people that you know, I didn't even know. Um, oh, that was the first one. What's her name? Kristen Stewart was in. Oh, yeah. No, that's Pam. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. I was, oh, about, no. I was about to say, wait, no. That was Pam. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was no, about to say, no, was no, she wasn't... in two movies with Jodie Foster? No, yeah. Like... It, it, wasn't, it wasn't Kristen Stewart. It was um, Gina Malone. Yes. Uh, that was it. Easy mistake to uh, make. I... <laughs> Yeah, white women. <laughs> yeah, they all look the same. <laughs> uh, I was wrong, actually. There's there's a movie from 1996 with Charlie Sheen called The Arrival. Yep. That's also about aliens. Yeah, along with another movie recently that was called Arrival. Which, it's very upsetting that people would get those mixed up. Because the recent Arrival movie is amazing. And this one starred Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my. We still don't have an outro, so <laughs> we just kind of ended abruptly. Here is where the music goes. Oh, uh, my cat just clawed me to climb up my leg. Ow! <laughs> there you go. That's your ending. All right. All right, I'm going to start. Beautiful pain. <laughs>